Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my compadre, Sean the Arcade Phantom. Hello, Craig. Hey. Doing all right there, buddy? Uh, I'm doing okay. Is, 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 are you, are you going to have troubles with this episode? I just, this, is, this is the last time I hate him. I think it's the last time I hate him. Well, I'll be dang. The last time you hate him. I'm going to lose that hatred, because I actually start to like him after this. That sounds wonderful. I wouldn't know what it's like to not hate because that's the only thing that binds my soul together. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is uh, the last time you might hate Martin Prince. Yeah. Which episode is this? Saturdays of Thunder. When was it released, Sean? November 14th, 1991. Yeah. So in this drama filled episode, Homer tries to be a good father to Bart. And so they build a soapbox racer uh, together. But after Martin uh, has an accident, Bart decides to drive his friend's car, making Homer upset. So, Sean, let's let's go ahead and dive on in. So what was happening around the world at the time this episode aired. So, a little movie opened that is very topical for all of our Simpsons fans out there. Uh-huh. Especially you. Yeah. The 1990s remake of Cape Fear, starring Robert De Niro, opened in theaters on November 13th. Really? A lot of Cape Fear's references come from this remake, more so than the original. When did the original come out, do you know? 1954, I want to say. Okay, so in the, the 50s. Both are fantastic movies. I prefer the original, but... Do you? Okay. I do. Hmm. I, uh... It, so you think that the like when, when Cape Fear will eventually be released in a few years here, you're, uh, you think that uh, the, the remake had more influence on it than the original? So, um, a typical runtime for a movie was one year to a year and a half in theaters mm-hmm. at this time period. So, Cape Fear would have just been hitting video right about the time that it came out as that an episode. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's kind of interesting. I didn't... I don't remember them being in theaters that long, but I guess they were. Movie runtimes were a lot longer back in the day. Well, I mean, now it's like, what, a few months and it's out on Blu-ray? Now a movie makes 50% of its profits in its opening weekend. Oh, so now they just realize, like, why keep it in? Three months until it comes out on video. Wow. Which has to do with many things. Many factors of piracy and studios wanting to get an international release to have more money, having to open in different markets. That's a whole other podcast I could get into talking about how the movie industry works. Crazy. But yeah, Cape Fear opened up and it's great. I'm going to force you to watch it. (laughs) Do I have to watch both versions? Probably. I'm probably going to force you to watch both versions when we get to that episode because it's your favorite. Yeah, Cape Fear is my favorite episode of all time. That is true. Now, I have a little bit of news that isn't so terrible. No. 
No, 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 no. Craig, your, I do. your news is never not terrible. This is this is not compared to a lot of episodes I've had where news has been real terrible. This is honestly uh what, two <clears throat> people dead? Is it just two this time? Zero. I have a story that involves zero death. What? The statue of Lenin in Berlin was beheaded. The statue was created in 1970 by Nikolai uh, <clears throat> Tomsky in granite, and while the rest of the statue was removed in 92, the head was sawed off at, uh, I think it was the day before this episode aired, and then was buried outside the city. Uh, apparently, the USSR put up around 14,000 statues of Vladimir Lenin. Uh, though by now, many have been destroyed, altered, or hidden away. Apparently, uh, uh, you know, there, there's like, you know, just old storage units in like Russia and, and really all the countries that were involved in the USSR where, you know, it'll be just be like a basement, this giant basement warehouse that has like a giant statue of Lenin in it. You know, just because it's like they can't have it up, they had to be removed, and and some are still up, but a lot of them have also been altered, like I mentioned. Like, uh, I'm sure you've seen the one where it got turned into Darth Vader. Yes. So, yeah, that's the the kind of stuff that's going on, and this is a sign. The USSR is soon going to be disbanded. So, did they watch The Simpsons and behead the statue? Maybe <laughs> no. They 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 had been beheading this statue. Apparently, that's what you do with all, like when removing these statues is you remove Lenin's head. In fact, I saw one of them. Uh, I saw a picture online. It's Lenin. It's a statue of Lenin. You can tell from the body. Head is long gone. Who knows where it is? And spray paint has covered up the name. So it's just this headless statue with like just spray paint over the name, and that's it. And it's just sitting in a like a park somewhere. That's weird. A little weird. Yeah. But I. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, uh, this is sort of like the, another one of these signs of the the USSR you know collapsing and stuff, but uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. But uh, let's go ahead and hop into the episode, Sean. Yeah, let's jump into this one because I'm gonna get a little angry. But ooh, all right. So off the bat, we have an episode of I can't believe they invented it, which we've seen uh, two or three times before on uh, The Simpsons. And so one of them is the the inventions they're showing a clip show basically uh, is the foam dome, but that's real. Yeah, the foam dome is real. Apparently, uh, it was I I didn't find I could I had a very hard time finding information on this. Apparently, the the foam dome or the beer helmet or whatever you want to call it was invented by Jeremy Gumbo in 1983, maybe possibly. Perhaps I saw another name. I saw somebody else with a different patent that had you know come out like you know previous to this. I have no idea if that's true or not. Honestly, that could be way off. But at a cursory glance, that's what it seemed to be. Uh, you have the jet walker, which is not real. It's just like like fancy flying jet ski that like an old lady is riding. Uh, and then the Mister Sugar Cube. I want the Mister Sugar Cube so bad. It changed Homer's life. It changed his life. By the way, I took a look. There is no, to the best of my knowledge, there is no commercial sugar cube maker. There's no, like, you know, like, at-home one. You have to buy, like, big commercial-grade, you know, machines, which range anywhere from, like, 1000 to, like, $10,000. Why the hell would you buy a commercial sugar cube maker? Sugar cubes aren't expensive. Do you not want to have your life changed, Sean? Apparently, I don't. <laughs> Uh, so Troy McClure 
is, uh, of course, the host. And uh, you may know him from such, uh, uh, I think it's such shows as Buck Henderson, Union Buster, and Troy and Company's Summertime Smile Factory. Oh, shit. Troy was a Pinkerton. He would have been busted up unions. Now, Sean, here's my big question for you. Would you rather watch Troy McClure in Buck Henderson Union Buster or Troy, Troy and Company's Summertime Smile Factory? Oh, Buck Henderson, for sure. I want to see him busting up unions. I just want Troy McClure to be happy. I'm going with the Summertime Smile Factory. I want to see a nasty, mean Troy McClure breaking somebody's legs to bust up a union. That sounds intense. Let me reiterate, Sean. Summertime Smile Factory. <laughs> so... He introduces Dr. Nick, who, of course, has another wacky invention. He has made Spiffy to clean Edgar Allan's tombstone? Yeah, so... Edgar Allan Poe's? Edgar Allan Poe was an American author, mm-hmm. born January 19th, 1809. Anyone from our... Uh, uh, who's uh, listened to the Treehouse of Horror 1 will, of yes. course, know a lot about that. And Sean and I even did a Patreon special uh, for Smartline, our uh, Patreon show, where we uh, recited The Raven together. So Edgar Allan Poe passed away October 7th, 1849, only 40 years old. That's depressing. Yeah. Didn't he love his cousin? A lot of people did. All right, fair. I mean, that still happens nowadays. (laughs) All right, fair. The the president's personal lawyer and ex-mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani's first wife, was his cousin. Oh, yeah. That still happens. People still marry their cousins. All right. You just... They gotta go to Shelbyville for that. Yeah, it's more of a Shelbyville <laughs> idea. <laughs> but um, Edgar Allan Poe's tombstone is actually in Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, and do you know about the Poe toaster? Mm, no. What do tell? What is the Poe toaster? It's a toaster oven in the shape of Edgar Allan Poe's head. <laughs> you would think so, because that's the kind of head you just want to put in a headlock. <laughs> That's a Venture Brothers reference, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so the Poe Toaster was a gentleman who used to arrive at Edgar Allan Poe's grave, in his original marking of his grave, not mm-hmm. the current one, Okay. in the early hours of January 19th on Poe's birthday. Okay. He would arrive dressed in black with a wide-brimmed hat and a white scarf. He'd uh-huh. pour a glass of cognac and raise a toast in Poe's memory. Then vanish into the night, leaving three roses in a distinct arrangement what? and the unfinished bottle of cognac. Onlookers would usually gather to see him, and he was rarely photographed. And apparently he did this until his death and his son took over the tradition. Interesting. So basically it was what? Like you, you showed up on Poe's birthday and you got a like half drank bottle of scotch for free? Uh, cognac. Cognac, cognac. I'm sorry. So this happened between the 1930s all the way up till 2010, where there has not been a visit of the Poe toaster since. And Interesting. Now the Maryland Historical Society has actually decided to get in on this and make their own toaster and have a toaster who comes out every year as kind of like a tradition I mean, and, at this and point, a touristy kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I was going to say, at this point, you might as well, and tourists probably, you know, get a but kick this, out of it. But this guy would go to his gravestone every year on his birthday and drink a toast. Leave roses. <laughs> that That's awesome. <laughs> I just imagine he arrives, takes it, like, takes the cognac, and he's like, death will not let you escape the pact we made, Mr. Poe. Takes a sip, puts it down, runs off into the night. Man. Gentlemen. Dweevil. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, 
<laughs> with one application of spiffy, you'll think the body is still warm. Which is kind of gross. I uh, and yeah, so gross. So <laughs> you have well, well, Homer's watching this and freaking out that this is amazing. You have Bartlett coming in, and he, you know, he keeps asking Homer questions. So he's like, you know, uh, he's like, I can't find the safety goggles, and Homer's just like, ah, turn your head, and you know, you'll be fine. And he's like, oh, okay. And you know, he, you know, meanwhile, Doctor Nick, uh, in order to sweeten the deal because nobody wants to pay his exorbitant rate, uh, throws in a state of Kansas Jello mold, and throws in an extra bottle of Spiffy, and cuts the price by ten dollars. And I love Homer's panic as he freaks out and slaps the like the 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 phone, trying to like and he has to calm himself and he's like, Okay, Homer, you can do this. <laughs> so weird animation thing here. Uh-huh. Homer's on a wife beater tank top. Yeah. He's and not usually. He's never. That's very weird. He's usually shirtless or he's in his usual shirt. I will say that there are, I, I do remember a few scenes where he's in a, a wife beater. It's usually like when he's it's like dealing with summery stuff. Yeah. But, it, but he's just in the house, just hanging out right now. So yeah, a little weird. Uh, and so Marge yells out to, to Homer when there's, an, I think, a, the doorbell goes off. And her sisters are there. So Homer starts ordering Spiffy. Oh, yeah. And I got to point this out because... Oh, before he orders Spiffy, though, the one thing I wanted to mention is he gets to the door, lets Patty and Selma in, and they're in, uh, I believe it is, uh, it's, uh, they what they were betting, I don't know who uh, uh, bet what, I don't remember, but uh, Patty and Selma were betting if he would be wearing pants when he got to the door, and he was. And he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're looking at hairstyles, and, uh, oh, uh, before he orders, that's the other yes. thing. I. Uh, I love that uh, they're looking at pictures, and it's uh, I think it's Patty is like, this is the one I need. She's like, this one right here. And Marge is like, Ed Asner? And she's like, no, Mary Tyler Moore. So, for those who don't know, Ed Asner was a character on the Mary Tyler Moore show. He even got a spinoff drama show for his character. Uh, and uh, he is the voice of Carl Fredrickson in Up. Uh, and he the the gag is that he is bald. He's been bald since he was like a young man. I uh, how old is Ed Asner? Ed Asner is I uh, I think still alive. He, he is still alive. I know that. Yeah, he is still alive. He yeah. I mean he was uh, 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 born in 1929. 89. Yeah, so he's pert near 90 at this point. Crazy, right? Ed Asner's the best. Yeah, he's uh, you know he's he's done some fun stuff for sure. Uh, but you were saying about uh, uh, Homer ordering the spiffy and the credit card. Oh my god! So I'm watching this episode. Uh huh. And Homer's reading his expired credit card, and he lies about the date. Mm-hmm. He tells them that his credit card is going to expire in June of 2012. The far flung year of 2012. Holy crap! That's seven years ago. Yep. Homer's card expired seven years ago. Well, the mate update expired seven years yes. ago. It really expired in June of 1989. Oh, my God. Which is a crazy thing to think about, that he's had a credit card in his wallet for years that he couldn't use. Like, isn't that kind of crazy? Not really. I know a lot of people who do that. Really? 
I don't know. I stay on top of that kind of stuff. Well, whatever. So I. Uh, Marge comes in and she's like, Homer, you're not ordering stuff off the infomercials, are you? He's like, shh, they'll hear you. Marge asks who's using power tools. And Homer responds, I don't know, some, some guy, guy, I guess. <laughs> and who founded America? Wait, what's that? Same person who founded America. Some guy. Some guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Some guy. Uh, and so... You know, Marge is going to go out and get her hair done with her sisters. And so she says, you know, Homer, you should spend time with the kids. And Homer's like, yeah, that sounds great. And then Lisa's right in front of him. And he's like, all right, how much did you hear? And she's like, all of it. And he's like, what is the quickest, cheapest, easiest way to deal with you, uh, you kids? And she's like, I don't know. Take us to the video store. And he's like, anything for my little girl. Hands outside, and Bart is working on a uh, what seems to be a soapbox racer car, and he's like, "Bart, you can't weld with such a little flame, stupid kid." Gets in the car and leaves his son all alone. You can weld with such a little flame, by the way. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So, girlfriend's stepfather is a welder. Okay, and um, he's actually a welder at Henry Ford. Oh okay, so. Pretty pretty good welding position. Yeah, sure, sure. And, um, yeah, you can weld with a very tiny flame. Well, be danged. Well, this is also Homer's advice. Yes. And we know that he's not the best at most anything. So Homer, leaving Bart behind, takes uh, Lisa and Maggie to VHS Village. Formerly Beta Barn. <laughs> Indeed. And I believe mm-hmm. in modern Simpsons, and my knowledge is lost, I believe it's called DVD Dungeon. Oh, they updated the name again? That's kind of funny. I can appreciate that. I wonder if it's going to go to uh, Blu-ray Barn. But I, I, Homer you know, goes in, and he sees a, a, a clip from the new McBain movie. And it's the hot dog scene where uh, his partner's, uh, I think it's Scoey, is like you know eating a salad, and he's like, "You keep putting sucking down those hot links, and you're gonna like you know end up in an early grave." And he's like, "Come on, leave a little Scoey." And unfortunately, Scoey gets shot. He, he's got a retirement plan though. Him and his old lady <laughs> are gonna sail off in the sunset on the SS Live Forever. <laughs> and then Scoey gets shot like a ton, and. McBain then pulls out his revolver. His hand cannon. Revolver. Yeah. Revolver. Six gun or six six bullet revolver and shoots 13 times. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets to Scoey who's like. And the, sh- the shooter was behind the counter pretending to be a waiter at this restaurant. Yes. Gets on a motorcycle that's behind the <laughs> counter of the restaurant and drives off. It's so ridiculous. This guy is a good assassin. Dude, this guy's the best assassin. Wait, no. He didn't kill McBain. He's a bad assassin, but good at getting away. Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, McBain is like, you know, come on, Scoey, don't talk that way. And he's like, no, McBain, get Mendoza. And he's like, Mendoza! And the guy talking to Homer is like, you want to rent the movie, sir? And he's like, why? I just saw the best part. <laughs> like, runs off. So, I have spent many a years working in a video store, and I can tell you some stories about customers. Uh-huh. No customer that I have ever met in my life would ever do that. Uh-huh. I have watched movies 
and there'll be spoilers. And I'm going to spoil something right now. I'm going to spoil The Force Awakens for anyone who hasn't seen The Force uh-huh. Awakens. Okay. Because I've watched that. There was actually a time where me and our buddy Xander, friend of the show, and on uh, Legend of Retro, yeah. worked in a video store together. Uh-huh. And we had a pack where we would watch The Force Awakens on repeat, and no one changed the DVD. <laughs> We just left it going. And it went for days like this. <laughs> uh-huh. But there would be people who'd be like, oh, Han Solo's dead. I should watch that. And they'll oh. rent it. Because really? this doesn't happen. People don't go, oh, I saw the best part. They go, no, I want to see that. I could and they that. sit down and watch it. I've never experienced a Homer <laughs> in all of my life. And I've dropped massive spoilers on movies. That's kind of funny. I... I would ask for one of the biggest spoilers, but it might spoil something for one of our listeners. So we'll just skip yes. that for now. <laughs> so, Sean, I do have a list of all the movies uh, that that you see as you walk by. You ready for Start them? Start shooting some off. Panic in Alaska. That Night Over England. Skull, the musical. Dada. Potentially da-da-da. Name's cut off. Border Siesta. The Bad Football. Speedboat Bloopers, Frisbee 1991, Super Jock, Go Fight, A Cheerleader Story, Death by Knockout, Bench Clearing Brawls, Blood on the Ice, and then Football's Greatest Injuries, which Homer finds. And then when he finds it, he goes, Lisa, we're going. But she hasn't even found the happy little elves yet. In Tinky Winky Land? Is that what it was? Yeah, Tinky Winky Land. I think that sounds that sounds about right. And uh, Homer's just like, grab anything. There's so many good movies here, you know. And so that's how customers are, by the way, with their kids. Once they have the way they want, once they're they have done. What they want, they're done, and they won't let their kids pick something out. It's really weird and really sad. Or sometimes they'll go off and they'll go into the porn section and get a bunch of porn for themselves while their kids are looking around for something. That's really awkward because they hide it in between the kids' movies. So you'll have like a porn video just stuck in between like Bambi. Bambi. Five Will Goes West and <laughs> Anal Bitches Five. <laughs> Man, that's my favorite anal bitches. I, I couldn't keep up with the story after two. <laughs> <laughs> Homer gets back home and he's watching. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, I, uh, he's not back home yet. Uh, Marge and his sisters, her sisters, are in the beauty parlor. And uh, there's this fatherhood test. And, you know, Marge is like, you know, yeah, we can give that to Homer or whatever. From the National Fatherhood Institute. Indeed. Who will play a large role in this episode, actually. This is weird. <laughs> this is a weird premise for an episode, right? Oh, yeah. It's, there, there is some really, really uh, just, obs- uh, like... It's very obtuse. A, yeah, very obtuse. I was not. I was going to say kind of, like, not obscene, but really obscure. Like, really just like, what the hell? Like, this is weird. Yeah, like, the National Fatherhood Institute exists, and they try to make people better fathers. I, where were you? Where? Where were you? <laughs> Where was the fatherhood instituted <laughs> when I was a kid? Uh, so apparently there's a quote from Henry Winkler, uh, who was Fonz on Happy Days. That's his like you know big well-known role. He's done a lot of like guest stars and you know things and stuff over the years. Uh, but I uh, you know it's it, the quote is something like you know I may not always keep my cool like the Fonz, but my kids bring me plenty of happy days. You know something lame like that. I. Uh, and so back at home, you have uh, Homer is watching, uh, uh, you know, this special, you know, this football's greatest injuries. And so, like, the, there's a player known as the Gazelle who 
that isn't really based on anybody as far as I can tell. The Galloping Gazelle. The Galloping Gazelle. And he was uh, ta- he was uh, hurt by Wayne Chechki, uh, I think is how it was pronounced, uh, who's not a real player either. Uh, yeah, and he gets really hurt. <laughs> yeah, he does. His like, neck gets broken. It's ridiculous. Uh, and uh, so Marge and her sisters come in. And they reveal the uh, that uh, you know Patty and Selma have this you know these new haircuts, and I think it's Patty has a Mary Tyler Moore haircut, and Homer just laughs at her, which is kind of mean. It's super mean because they actually look like real people. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you also, have, it's weird that Marge didn't get like a real haircut. Yeah, well, I mean, she'll always have. But I mean, she's going out with her sisters; they're all getting their hair done. Like you think Marge would do something different, right? I mean, you would think, yeah. Uh, also, I love that. Uh, I think it's Selma says, uh, 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 "You know, don't listen to him, Patty. You can turn the world on with your smile," which, of course, is a play on the first line of the uh, intro theme to the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Uh, and so Marge talks to Homer, and she wants him to take this test. And he says, "Oh, you made me miss Joe, Thi- uh, Joe Theismann, who is a real player." Uh, He was on the Washington Redskins. He helped his team win back-to-back Super Bowls, but his career ended on November 18th, 1985, after being tackled by Lawrence Taylor. Apparently, it was a nasty... Like I was, I was too scared to look it up online to see how grisly the the injury was, but like uh, apparently, like it was bad enough to the point where the guy didn't just get off him and walk away. Like he was like freaking out and like like flagging people over, and everyone thought that he was just like taunting him. And then they were like, "Oh wait, no, this guy's hurt." They had to like run and like get to him or whatever. I guess it was uh, like it's one of those things that like if you saw it, you never forget it. I'm totally watching this. I didn't want to do that. I'm going to force you to watch it. No, we're not going to do that. So Homer takes the test, right? Do you have the answers that he gave? I do not. So first question is, uh, name a friend of Bart's. And Homer's like, you know, fat kid, uh, but Hank Jones. And Marge is like, you made that up. And uh, Homer says that his hero, uh, Bart's hero, Steve McQueen. But that's, that's Homer's, Homer's hero. hero. That's Homer's hero. Uh, what do you know about Steve McQueen? Steve McQueen's an action star, um, most famous for the movie Bullet, which is mm-hmm. a fantastic film. Probably has the best car chase in any movie. Really? Steve McQueen is an American icon. I, I, I knew you would know a lot about him being into movies and stuff. As a horror movie snob, I always think of Steve McQueen in The Blob. I was going to say, yeah, I, I thought he was in The Blob. I. <laughs> uh, so uh, Homer has to you know, put another dad he talks to, and he's just like, next. Uh, and then he wants to know what Bart's hobby, or uh, Marge wants to know what Bart's hobbies are. And he's like, oh, he's always chewing on that phone cord. <laughs> Marge's like, he hasn't done that since he was two. And so, you know, she's like, why don't you find out if your son has a hobby or not? So he goes out to the garage. And he's like, Bart, do you have any hobbies? And Bart's like, no. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Wait a second. What are you doing right now? And he's like building a soapbox racer. He's like, that's a hobby. And Bart's like, oh, what do you know? And so he starts crying. He's like, I don't know my own boy. And uh, Patty and Selma are like, you're also fat. He's like, I'm also <laughs> so fat. fat. And I normally their bitchiness is like, you know, it, sometimes it gets a little old. But in this case, after Homer was such a jerk to them, it's like, yeah, okay. That's fine. That's fair. So Homer calls up the National Fatherhood Institute. 
And it continues a gag from... Uh, My favorite continuing gag. Yeah, it's one of Sean and I's favorite uh, gag that continues where the whole music is a relevant song. So previously it was in what? Stark Raving Dad? Yes, it was crazy. Was, yes. Was song. And so in this episode, uh, they play Cats in the Cradle, a hit song from 1974 by uh, Harry Chapin uh, about a father who's too busy to spend time with his son. Most people don't know Harry Chapin is the author of this song. They think it is Cat Stevens. What, really? Yes, it comes out a lot is one of those things that people get wrong. Oh. Most people thought it was a Cat Stevens song. Well, be danged. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't really know much about the, like, who did the song until I was doing a little bit of research, I suppose. So I guess it's, you know, I probably wouldn't have had it right if I didn't look this up. Which the song is relevant because it is basically a song about noticing that your boy grew up and he's now a man and you didn't really spend the time with him you did yeah <laughs> exactly it's you know the song starts off and it's like you know the the narrator of the song is saying how he's busy and he can't spend time with his son but then when he's older the son won't spend time with him yeah and it you know kind of comes full circle i uh, and so homer calls up and he's like i took your test and i got a zero and these people in this like ground control like fatherhood setup are like good god and so they're like we'll send this wood panel station wagon to you <laughs> which which is not as relevant these days but back in the day a very uh, a very cliche parent vehicle was a wood paneled station wagon yeah so in the 90s it would have been the minivan um, in mm -hmm. particular, the Aerostar minivan was very popular. Yes, it was. Almost everybody had an Aerostar minivan. <laughs> and then it sort of became an SUV thing. Yeah. SUVs kind of took the place of the van station wagon because it's a vehicle that you can put your whole family in is the sure. whole purpose. Yeah, exactly. And, and But in the 80s, it was the station wagon, Oh, right? yeah, it was the station wagon. That's yeah. what they have in National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Which, man, station wagons, they need, they need to come back. They're dope. <laughs> They're stupid, but they're dope. <laughs> Only if it's wood paneled. Yeah. Get so, a wood paneled station wagon, get a bed in the back of that thing. <laughs> Live it like a hobo. <laughs> well, not quite a hobo. You'd have a home. It's just your home moves. Right? Live like a nomad. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Bart is talking with his buddies, and uh, you know he mentions Ronnie Beck, who's a, what, three-time? Three-time soapbox derby champion, Ronnie Beck. That's right. And he says, uh, unguarded construction sites are a gold mine, because they, they ask him where he got all of his stuff for his vehicle. Martin, though, is yeah, there. Yeah, little, little cockhead Martin. <laughs> get real angry. Martin's a smug little piece of shit in this moment. He's like, oh, you have a racer. I have a racer, too. Hmm. just want to punch him. If I was Bart, I would just throat punch him. Martin says he's built, he's, he, you know, because when, in, in, you know, Bart's like, hey, you know, like, are, what are, are you building one? And Martin's like, I'm building something in between projects. And it's like, oh my God, he's just so pretentious. And so uh, Martin scheduled time at the wind tunnel and he has to leave. I fucking hate Martin this episode. I really <laughs> do. God, I really fucking hate him. Oh, he's just so cocky. He's, he's that kid. It was uh -huh. always like, my dad bought me this, and I have this. <laughs> and you just hate him for it. Mm -hmm. He's, um, oh, God, what, what was the kid's name? Uh, Rex Smythe Higgins and Hank Arnold. Rex Smythe Higgins the third. Oh, I just hate that little rich, cocky boy. <laughs> so so for, for those of us who don't know, uh -huh. or 
for our fans who don't know, Craig and I role play every week. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. We do a lot of role playing. And one of our buddies, uh, Tans, runs a vampire campaign. Uh-huh. Yeah, World of Darkness. And he's got a character who is that rich, spoiled boy. <laughs> and everything he says is, Daddy, this. And kill him. Sensario LaSalle. I'll curse that name till the day I die. <laughs> That's just how I feel. People like that who are just that like spoiled rich kid. I just want to beat them up. Oh, it's such a, an easily hateable trope. You know, it really, really, you just like, once, once they're like, yeah, my dad, it's like, oh my God, I hate him. So Martin leaves, though, thankfully, and... Uh, a wood paneled station wagon pulls up. Two guys in lab coats run up to the door, the front door, and a moment later, Homer comes out being escorted by them. And he's like, Goodbye, son. And Milhouse is like, Bart, I think they're finally hauling your dad away. And Bart's like, Maybe it's for the best. <laughs> so we see that at the National Fatherhood Institute, a lot of the researchers are repeats once again. It's a lot of the guys who helped Homer build the car. Yeah. They got reused uh, for the uh, the first time we see the uh, uh, nuclear safety team that comes to the plan. You know, the, the inspectors. I like to think that Homer is continually why these people don't have jobs. <laughs> Homer's just messing up so bad, they're just job hopping. He messes up the car company. He messes up the uh, nuclear uh, uh, safety uh, inspectors. Just everything. So uh, we we see that like in the background, we have like uh, uh, dads and their sons are test riding bikes, fishing, playing catch. And Homer is given a complimentary copy of a book. A book known as Fatherhood by Bill Cosby. He was America's father. In my notes here, it just says, uh-oh. <laughs> my notes say, ah, Fatherhood by Bill Cosby. Because I didn't write what I wanted to write. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh-huh. So Cosby wrote the book Fatherhood, and it was a bestseller. It was. And uh, I've read parts of it. I've, I've, I've thumbed through it before all this, you know, uh, truth came out about Bill Cosby being a rapist. I, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't like, it's not bad. Bill Cosby was a funny guy. He was an entertaining guy for sure. You know, but uh, yeah, nowadays it's just kind of oof. Oof. Yeah. So um, going back to the video store stories, mm-hmm. recently set up a Halloween section. Sure. And I made sure to put Ghost Dad in there because that's the scariest movie <laughs> I could think of. You are a monster and I applaud you, sir. Thank you. Because Cosby's a ghost. He's a ghost rapist. Oh, that's... Is there anything scarier? He's a rapist who can get you anywhere. Yes, that is the scariest thing I can possibly imagine. You're not wrong. But... This is also a topical reference to The Simpsons at the current time. Yes, it is. So Homer is going to say, Bill Cosby, you've saved The Simpsons. The Cosby show was currently The Simpsons' number one rival in its time slot. Yeah, Cosby show was winning. Yeah. It's it was not winning later like this week. season that they beat The Cosby show for the first time. Yep. And I uh, there's a, even a, a, a character who plays a pretty uh, a decent role in this episode. Dr. Hibbert, who's based, based on, on Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Yeah, he's a doctor who who typically wears Craig, sweaters Craig, and Craig. Uh-huh. Did did um mm-hmm. did Dr. Hibbert rape people? 
God, I hope not. God, I hope not. I mean, I, I don't want to stay on Cosby for too long, but <laughs> it, it's it's fucked up that when he was in court and like he was considered guilty, he just started laughing. Because Cosby laughed. <laughs> like, that's fucked up. That's terrifying. He just laughs at the most inappropriate times. Uh, so let's get past this monster. Yeah. So, so you know, the this guy, uh, I think it's Dave, is, you know, like, you know, lecturing Homer about how he has to spend time with his son. And Homer's like, well, it's easy for you to say, you preachy egghead institute guy. And he's like, how often do you see your kid? And he's like, why don't you ask him? And Dave Jr. comes out. He works at the research center with him. And he's working on a project that is underwater fatherhood. Uh-huh. Underwater fathering. Yeah. Uh, it's a dad in an old-timey scuba suit. Yeah, big dive suit. He's going to get a dive suit with his kid. He's like, the book. Yeah, studying or something. He's studying underwater. It's so dumb. I love it. And so... As they, they find out that, you know, Homer can share some interest with him building a soapbox racer and how that's a great plan. I love that the alarm goes off and he's like, dear God, not again. And there's a shark ripping <laughs> the kid apart. <laughs> Why is there a shark? It's so stupid. Why is the shark necessary? <laughs> it's because they had to test that the shark would eat them while fathering underwater. It's so dumb. <laughs> But I love it. It so is. Much. It is just so. Uh, just. <sighs> it, it's <sighs> so weird. It's so Simpsons. It, it really is. It is the most. Like it's like that prime Simpsons humor, where it's just so dumb and outlandish, but it fits. Mm-hmm. It really somehow does. <laughs> oh my god! Just that sharky. Dear God, kid. no! Not again! I. <laughs> uh, so, Homer comes back home. And he wants to help Bart out. And Bart's like, well, I'm just about done, you know. And Homer's like, you know, like, come on, I've done some great things. He's like, I built the spice rack. He's built a bird feeder, the jimboree. And every time he shows them, they just look like garbage or are breaking. Yeah, so the spice rack, one of the spices falls off of it. I the, love the bird feeder with one. With the dead bird. And it's, it's just a bird stuck. It couldn't get out and it died. <laughs> and then the jimboree has a loose nail and Maggie gets stuck on the loose nail and the whole thing falls apart and she's just hanging there. Who's watching Maggie? I don't know. It's probably not great. I mean, Bart was playing with power tools alone in the garage uh, and no one watched, so they don't care. No, they don't. They're not great parents. At least Homer's not. But I... So, I love that there's another uh, conversation Homer has with his brain. You know, these these are a little bit rarer right now, but they're going to start picking up as the, you know, the seasons uh, continue here. And so, you know, Homer, like, reads a passage from Fatherhood, you know, and he's like, oh, I don't get it. And his brain is like, don't you understand? Use reverse psychology. And Homer's like, oh, it just sounds complicated. I'm not doing that. He's like, fine, don't use reverse psychology. He's like, all All right, right, I I will. will. And so uh, he tricks Bart into letting him help. And so he says the line you mentioned. Uh, thank you, Bill Cosby. You just saved the Simpsons, which is a line that I would argue has aged more poorly than any other line in the Simpsons for the good seasons, the non-fan fiction seasons. Oh, oh, you think that is the least? I think that is the line that has aged the most poorly. That's what I'm going to throw out there. I lean towards who got rich off of yo-yos. Bill Cosby? (laughs) 
No. <laughs> Donald Trump? <laughs> no. Arnold Palmer? No. <laughs> All monsters in history. Uh, Arnold Palmer? He had a lemonade to tea. That's a monster if I've ever heard one. I kind of like all Arnold Palmer's. Just drink your tea and lemonade separately, Craig. If you're going to add anything to your tea, Wait. it's alcohol. So if I want to drink them both at the same time, that's okay. So long as they're in separate cups. Separate but equal tea and lemonade. <laughs> you're insane. <laughs> no, just add alcohol. God, haven't you learned anything from me? All right, fair. So Although hard lemonade mixed with tea, now that's... Hmm. Mm. That, that could that could work. Anyhow, so uh, there's a montage of Bart and Homer working together, and you know, of course, he's like putting blow torches next to gas cans and you know all the stupid stuff. But I, I, you know, I think he drinks like paint thinner at one point and spits it out. But the song playing is "Watching Scotty Grow" by Bobby Goldsboro uh, from 1970. I. Weirdly enough, apparently uh, this Bobby Goldsboro went to perform this you know song, and he you know he they were going to make it into a single, and I guess like the 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 producer or whatever higher up was like, do we really think that the single is going to be about a song or should be about a song about a, a father and their son? That's not going to go anywhere, and it immediately went to like number one and stayed there for weeks. So apparently, this was a good idea. That actually happened a lot in music. Oh, really? Yeah, there, there's a lot of bands who their singles were originally going to be things that were like B-sides on their albums. Mm-hmm. Queen has done it. The Beatles have done it. Oh, what Queen song? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was one. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll be danged. I'll be danged. Yeah, they didn't think that was going to go anywhere. They thought it was too weird. Uh, they were crazy and wrong. It became the greatest song in uh, history. Well, number two. Don't Stop Me Now was number one. I mean... Wouldn't the greatest human achievement be Ode to Joy? No. <laughs> no. It's it's Frankie. Frankie Mercury. I don't know, man. I just think Ode to Joy is a beautiful piece. Freddie. Frankie. Yeah, I don't know why you <laughs> said Frankie. <laughs> I think of Frankie Valley. Uh, I think, I think Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Frankie Muniz. <laughs> Wait, what? Anyway. So, I... Uh, Homer, at the end of this montage, talks to Marge, and he's like, you know, he says basically that Bart reminds uh, uh, him of himself before the weight of the world crushed his spirit. We've all been there, Homer. We have all been there. Every day of my life, the world crushes my spirit. It's like my mother always says, life is is a never-ending torrent of misery. So, uh, you know, we have... The the kids are arriving for the the what is this like the time trial basically? Yes, it's like the time trial to see if they can race. And so, I uh, we have I uh, I uh, you know the kids arrive, and when the guys like you know like hey where's your helmet son? He's like helmets are for wusses, sir. And uh, Homer's like if my son doesn't want to wear a helmet, he doesn't have to. And the guy's like fine, I don't care. And uh, Martin unveils the, uh, oh, and I also love the fact that uh, when the uh, the little lightning gets revealed, uh, the the guy running the the stuff is like, ugh, at least, I get that your parent isn't supposed to do like help you with it, but you at least should at least consult him on it. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Homer's off to the side listening. Uh, Nelson, or I'm sorry, no, uh, Martin comes in, 
and he lets the everyone know that this is the space program at work as he unveils the honor roller. Holy fuck. Can somebody just punch? You know what? I wish Martin would light on fire. I wish somebody would light this kid on fire somehow. And the monkey's paw comes out, <laughs> finger goes down, and your wish will soon be granted. So uh, Nelson comes out smoking. Yeah, this is a gag that would not fly nowadays. A child smoking. Yeah, not really. Ooh. I mean, they cut cigarettes out of Netflix shows like Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Like, that was like a big thing this year, which the 80s, everybody smoked. Everybody smoked. I mean, you could go into a Wendy's and there were ashtrays and Wendy's. Yeah, that is true. So this joke would not fly, but Nelson is smoking. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only time in the episode he's smoking. That is true, which is kind of weird. I... And so he gets told to put that cigarette out. He puts it out on his own tongue, right? Yeah, which I've done that before. It hurts. I would imagine. But you feel like a badass. (laughs) As long as you feel cool, that's all that matters. And so he sees that, uh, you know, Bart's loser mobile. And Martin doesn't really care uh, which of them wins so long as someone beats Nelson. And a pact has sort of been formed. And Nelson's Roadkill 2000 comes out, and we hear like somebody go, "Help me!" in the trunk, and Nelson's like, "You didn't hear nothing." Nelson's gonna kill that kid. What I don't understand is, isn't that just extra weight? Yeah. Is that bad or good in a race car, or soapbox racers? I would assume you'd want the weight towards the front to pull it down with gravity. I guess, yeah. It makes as much sense as anything else. I imagine weight in the back would cause drag. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I was a Boy Scout growing up, so I kind of designed, like, little race cars, like slot cars and things Nerd. like that. Listeners, try to understand. There are two kinds of podcast hosts. There are, there are jocks <laughs> and nerds. As a jock, it's my job to give nerds a hard time. So... So, hey, fellow podcasters, get a hold of that nerd. Beg your pardon? <laughs> so, I uh, here's my question for you, Sean. Is this the last time that we see Nelson boss around his two stooges? Because they come in and give him, like, a switchblade, and he knocks their heads around. Yeah, he says thanks, but he does knock their heads together. He, he does knock their heads together. He treats them very poorly in this episode. I think they show up again as like side background characters, but I don't think they speak. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think they show up as background characters fairly often because they occasionally show up in like Lisa's class. But I don't think that they uh, appear as characters ever again. I know in fan fiction they do reappear. Oh, really? Fan fiction? Yeah, they reappear and they went to a different school and they became the bullies there. Oh, weird. Yeah, and like Nelson like tells him he misses them. That's weird. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so, the race is about to start, the time trial, and uh, Martin has a case of anxiety. He looks down that hill, and he gets real uncomfortable, and then everybody goes, and, you know, Martin starts screaming, and Nelson has a whip? Yeah, Nelson's got a whip, he's got a knife. It's like a Judah Ben-Hur thing, right? Like the whip and the like the, the wheels that have yes, the spikes it, it, it's on them? it's a them. reference to Ben-Hur. I. Uh, Oh, yeah, Judah Ben-Hur is the character. The movie is Ben-Hur, yes. right? Okay. Uh, I've never actually seen it. The movies, there are very numerous ben I was going to say, there's a bunch of, of uh, uh, versions of it, right? Yeah, there's an original um, 
silent film version of it. 28? I believe so. I think that's what I saw. People often get that Ben-Hur and the 50s, 60s, I don't remember. Oh, maybe 50s. That sounds right. 50s. They get that one um, confused because in the chariot race in the silent film, somebody actually died. Wait, in real life? In real life, yes. Somebody died in that race. Seriously? Yeah, and a lot of people get that confused, and they think somebody died in Ben-Hur, but it's not the one they're thinking of. And that's like movie trivia that most people don't know. That's depressing. Somebody did die in the scenes. It it still happens nowadays with stunts where people die. Well, you hear about it every so often, and it's definitely depressing. It's always depressing that somebody died. In fact, um, Deadpool 2, somebody died in a motorcycle stunt, and Fox was recently found guilty. This is like breaking news for this episode. Like, this is just the past couple days. Oh, yeah? But Fox was found guilty on negligence for that. I'm not surprised. I mean, accidents happen for sure, but, like, you got to think they got to be cutting corners to make making the movies as fast as possible and stuff, which is depressing, you know, to think about that this poor person's life is gone because of negligence. Yeah. You know, uh, so the, uh, while, while, uh, Nelson and Bart are battling to get second place. <clears throat> unfortunately, for no, them, fortunately for everyone, <laughs> I this entire scene just cracks me up. So the the this missile essentially, the honor roller goes flying past the the finish line and he tries to deploy the parachute and it won't deploy. <laughs> it's a brick wall. And then the parachute pops out and then the cart lights on fire. <laughs> Martin Fritz comes out screaming, and the ambulance, the fire truck comes out, and they put out the cart. Not Martin. It's so good, and Martin has it coming. <laughs> burn, Martin, burn! Oh God! Oh, oh my God! It's so funny. I crack up every time I see that because it's so it's so Looney Tunes. There's a lot of Looney Tunes esque gags in this episode, like the shark we were laughing at earlier. <laughs> yeah, there really are. Just weird, like outlandish things. So it cuts to uh, uh, the hospital, and Dr. Hibbert uh, is saying, you know, like, son, you're lucky to be alive, you know, and and Martin's like, spare me, and he's like, you know, just being melodramatic. But what I want to know is why is Dr. Hibbert in a sweater and not in a white coat, doctor's coat? Maybe he had to come in on this day off. Okay. Maybe it was an emergency and he got called in. I just feel like the extra... 10 seconds of putting on a white coat it doesn't take that long. This ain't, this ain't loading up on uh, and equipping armor in Dungeons and Dragons where it takes you like five minutes of time to do it. It only takes you a minute to don your armor. It takes five minutes to doth your armor. Anyway. Fair point, but anyway. <coughs> but it does take a minute. Or maybe that's a minute he didn't have to save Martin's life. I mean, Martin was on fire. All right, that's fair. He's he was on fracture. fire. Yeah, he's, he's on fire, and he broke his arm. So, I, uh, you know, Bart comes in, and he's like, way to cheat death. And, I, uh, you know, and Martin says, he's like, that racer transformed me into the twisted creature you see before you. I'll never race again. And he gets Bart. He says, you know, unless you race for me using my, you know, racer. And, you know, Bart's like, well, you know, I, on what, you know, he's like, you know, my dad would be crushed. He's like, we spent so much time together working on this thing. He's like, on the other hand, I'll do it because he wants to win. 
Who doesn't? Fair. I mean, everyone likes to win. So back at the garage, you know, at home, Bart comes in and Homer's like, you know, talking about pulling him out of school for a few weeks to like work on this thing. Uh, and Bart tells him, he's like, Dad, you taught me to win. And Homer's like, when did I ever teach you that? And, uh, uh, and Bart's like, well, I picked it up somewhere. And he explains to Homer that his racer sucks and he wants to use Martin so he can win. And Homer gets real passive aggressive. Yeah, he does, really. No, I will say, Homer has a right to be upset. It's got to be upsetting to work with something, you know, work on a project with somebody and then have them be like, hey, you know what? Your project sucks. I'm going to go to this other person so I can win. See ya. You know, that's got to be rough. But, but, but you need to be able to, you know, to, to understand where the other person's coming from. And I mean, Bart is essentially kind of doing this to fulfill the pact he had. You know, they both decided that they didn't want Nelson to win, and this is the way to do it. Which is understandable. I mean, I think so. And I, I think maybe if Bart had pitched it that way, you know, the sort of the honor of it, you know, having to take up his friend who got hurts, you know, kind of plight his cause or whatever. But also, also, Bart stopped before the end of the race. Did he pass the time trial? I'm pretty sure the only way he's racing is if he's in Martin's racer. I kind of thought that too. I mean, I would presume anyway, unless they pity them. Maybe they saw Nelson cracking the whip and they're like, okay, we'll just pass that kid pass too. Pass that kid. He's getting beaten by somebody else. <laughs> yeah, we'll just, we'll just yeah, we'll turn, turn, around, turn the head there. So uh, Homer starts having abandonment issues. And, you know, he sees Bart outside and he's like, you know, uh, with this racer and stuff. And Lisa comes in and she uh, wants to go to Dr. Hibbert's for a tetanus booster. Because, you know, rusty nail season is coming. Barefoot season's coming. That's rusty nails are afoot. Kind of weird, but whatever. They needed, needed an excuse to get Lisa to go to the doctor's office. Fair. And I also like that he's like, he's like, yeah, I'll take you. Then you'll find a, another person there who has a faster car and go home with them. And Lisa's not really too thrilled about Homer being so melodramatic, but... Whatever. We get a great shot of Homer driving to the place, and the, the auto roller drives past faster than his car. <laughs> yeah. Another Looney Tunes-esque kind of cartoony moment, which I get that The Simpsons is a cartoon, but it's, you know, usually grounded in a bit more realism bit. And uh, in the hospital, uh, oh, I'm sorry, no, in the hospital, Hibbert didn't wear a white coat, but here in his private practice, he does. So Homer and Lisa are coming in, and uh, uh, meanwhile, Hibbert is talking with, uh, you know, Martin, and, you know, he's like, you know, blah, 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 your you know, arm's bending up nicely, and, and Martin's like, tell me something I don't know, and uh, uh, Homer comes in, and he's like, you, homewrecker, and Martin's like, sir, I completely understand, let me assure you, your son loves you, and Homer's like, ah, and Martin's just like, ah, and he like runs off, and Hibbert, you know, says something about how you gave that kid the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, Homer was gonna beat a child. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I mean, I, I don't judge him, because I'd beat that child. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it's Martin Prince. But That's... I'm also a monster who beats children, apparently. Well, that does make one a monster. Do things for me. They uh, work in my sweatshop. Listen, I'm not saying I don't beat children. Don't get <laughs> mad at me. I'm just saying it does make us monsters, all right? 
<laughs> so it's the day of the race, and over when Marge gets mad at him, and she's like, Homer, quit pouting. He's like, I'm not pouting. You are. And Marge calls Homer out for being a bad father. Yeah, and Bart even gets Homer's hat out of the fridge. And it's the foam dome. It's the foam dome from yeah. earlier. And, uh, and you know, Marge is like, you know, don't you have at least have something to say to your son? And Homer's like, nope, can't think of a thing. And Marge is like, listen, I stood by you. I talked about how you are a good father. But I guess I'm wrong. You're not a good father. And Homer's like, leave me alone. And he gets upset. And, like, it doesn't usually get as overt as this in The Simpsons. Marge... In front of her sisters, in front of Bart. I don't remember if Lisa and Maggie are there at the time, but presumably in front of about the whole damn family, she calls Homer out for being a bad father. And in this case, she's not really that wrong. Yeah, but that's a huge insult to drop on somebody. It is. And that's probably why Homer pouts and turns around and doesn't want to deal with it and just gets reclusive. Yeah. But yeah, that's some heaviness. And so... At the uh, the race, uh, we have the announcer who's talking about the carefree days of the Great Depression. Uh, and it's the British announcer from the Dead Putting Society episode. Yeah, another weird reuse of a character. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I, he, he refers to the kids racing as Junior Al Unser Juniors. Al Unser Jr. was an American race car driver who won the Indianapolis 500 twice and even had some video games in the 1990s. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, at least on Sega Genesis and I think Nintendo. I believe he's got a Game Gear game. So maybe Sega, Genesis, Game Gear, Sega Game Gear, and then the Nintendo Entertainment System? I'm sure I'll get home and when this Remember episode something airs, else? when this episode airs, <laughs> my girlfriend will correct me since she collects Game Gear games. I'm, if there oh, was yeah. or wasn't. Yeah, yeah, keep me posted on that. I will. <laughs> uh, so uh, Homer gets up to refill the foam down. And he uh, gets to the fridge, and weirdly enough, there's a Monopoly card. Yeah, on the fridge, there's a buff guy and like a speedo and Einstein. I'm assuming the buff guy and a speedo is part of a card. I presume maybe it didn't look like it looked like it was just a cutout. I mean, it kind of looks like one of those, you know. Hey, I didn't get you a drum for your birthday. But I got you these bongos. <laughs> Bro. It looks like the reverse of that kind of card. Yeah, that's fair. So that maybe Marge's sister's got a real husband card. Because <laughs> you could totally see that, can't you? Yeah, I could see that for sure. So Homer sees the fatherhood test on the fridge. And he gets he's upset. And he starts going through it on a whim. Because he's like, oh, I'm, I'm a bad father. I can't do this. And then he realizes he knows one of Bart's friends. It's Martin. He's not happy that he knows it, but it is Martin. Uh, he also knows that uh, Bart's hero is uh, three-time soapbox derby champion Ronnie Beck. Beck. He also, uh, he goes, he's like, another father you talk to for advice. He's like, oh, man. And then I love that Flanders walks by at that moment. He's like, hey, ho, Simpson. And he's like, shut up, Flanders. And he's like, oh, wait. wait. <laughs> and he runs outside. And he's like, he's like. Uh, Flanders, he's like, uh, when do you think uh, a boy should uh, be able to date? And Flanders is like, well, sir, there's uh, two schools of thoughts on the subject. And he's like, all right, great. And he runs <laughs> off. And he knows his you know, kid. But it makes me wonder, I wonder what the two schools of thought on dating were from Flanders. Is it 
you can't date until you're married because he's so strict and, and Christian? Or is it like he's a good father and he's, you know, it, it, he, they should date early to, to get themselves familiar with the, that kind of stuff? What do you think Flanders falls in? Those kids are very sheltered. I mean, his kids aren't ever going to get dates for sure. But like, if they were allowed to, do you like? Do you think that's they're not allowed? Okay, so you think guarantee it? Not until they're adults. Yeah. Okay. I can I can buy that from Flanders. And so, I Homer leaves to go to the soapbox derby championship because he's a good dad after all. Does that mean that he basically just like? Was feeling down on himself? Yeah, basically. Okay. All right. I, I mean, that's that kind of fits with Homer. You know, he, yeah. he, he, we've seen that before from Homer Simpson, you know? I mean, when he gets down on himself, he gets real depressed. Homer shows signs of depression. He does indeed. Yeah, he has, especially in like something like Homer's Odyssey. We saw it, you know? So, yeah, I, I'm depressed thinking about that episode. Anyhow, uh, so I love that Barney Gumble is once again maced by Patty. This continuously happens. It does. It's so good. He comes up to Patty and Selma with Mo, and he's like, me and my friend have a bet. Are you Mary Tyler Moore? She does not answer. She pulls out Mace and sprays him in the face. And he screams out in pain, and he goes, well, wow, it is you. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the second time it happened, right? Yeah, it's the second time it's happened. So... Bart is kind of depressed himself. He's, you know, sitting there and Martin is going through this stuff and he's like, you know, blah, 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 make sure to steer away so you don't kill the spectators. And he's like, Bart, are you listening to me? And Bart's like, kill spectators. (laughs) He's like, no, and he slaps him in the face, which is another shitty moment from Barton. He slaps Bart twice. Yeah. Slaps Bart a lot for Bart racing for him. Yeah, Yeah, Martin's very intense and into it. I mean, he's a shithead, but... <laughs> you're not wrong. He was right in the scenario. Bart did win with this racer. Uh, that's, you're not wrong about that. So, Mayor Diamond Joe Quimby comes out, and he, you know, starts, you know, the, the race up. This might be one of my favorite Mayor Quimby lines. Covers the, he covers the mic, and he's like, check out the rack on the blonde in the fourth row. And I... He's such a scumbag. He really is. He's such a scumbag. He really is. But I like that they cement that early on with him. I because he's based on Kennedy, and Kennedy's kind of a scumbag. Right. Yeah. He's sexually a scumbag. Uh, sure. G- sure. Great. Yeah. Great president. But well, we've had that before. Yeah. Sexual deviants that are decent presidents, and then we've had some that are sexual deviants that are not so great president. Anyway. Woo. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I think the announcer at this point makes a Judah Ben-Hur reference. Yes, he does make a Ben-Hur reference. And, uh, uh, you know, Barton and and Nelson are are competing. They're, you know, and Nelson's again smoking before the race. Oh, and that's right. Before the race even uh, actually begins, Bart sees Homer in the crowd. Yes. And he's like, do it for your old man, son. And Nelson's got a cigarette and he lights the match off of Bart's forehead. Yeah, that's right. That's badass. Also a jerk move. That's a villain in a mobster movie right there. You're not wrong. That's very true. And so the the carts, I love the animation where the carts start going back and forth. And they just start like, like once again, very cartoony, having the, the carts shoot back and forth. And then finally, Bart wins. And so we see photos get taken. It's like a collage of photos yeah. they show. And so Milhouse and Wendell dump Gatorade on Martin. The Simpson family celebrates. 
Bart is kissed by the trophy girl. Nelson beats up his flunkies, which might be why they don't show up as often because they're avoiding Nelson after this. The mayor flirts with that blonde who looks a little bit more like a brunette now that we see her. And I, uh, the as Bart gets, you know, as the pitcher's collage stop and Bart gets carried off in victory, uh, then the, the very British narrator references him to uh, Lucky Lindy. Being, uh, being carried off the uh, airport when he, you know, uh, Charles Lindbergh. Lucky Lindy reference. It is. This is the second time that uh, Charles Lindbergh has been referenced. Because there was Lucky Lindy's pomade. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, and so Ronnie Beck comes out to prevent, uh, present the trophy. Did you expect him to be a little kid? First time you saw this? I always kind of thought he was like an adult and he was a jockey, like, you know, like it's a jockey reference where he's like super tiny. But yeah, he's he's smaller than Bart. Yeah. Maybe he is a kid. Probably a kid. Or maybe he's got that disease that makes him like a kid forever, like that kid in Cowboy Bebop. Man, that was a good episode. Yeah, that was a really good episode. The, oh, what was it called? It's the sixth episode. It's the Devil... Huh. It's sympathy for the devil. It's a uh, Rolling devil. Stones yeah, reference. That's right. Yeah, yeah, of course. I knew it was a music thing. I had a brain fart. So I, uh, I, uh, you know, when he congratulates Bart, I will say that even though Martin has been a, a giant jerk in this episode, I love his line here where he's saying he equates Bart as or the driver for of his car essentially being ballast. Yeah, <laughs> just wait in the car. And then, of course, Nelson comes out, you know, says the better man won. And then Bart starts taunting him. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And Nelson can't beat him up because of the... Because of the truce. The truce, the treaty. Like, he can't beat him up. And, uh... It's weird that Nelson is sometimes an antagonist, but other times friends with Bart. It is kind of weird. Because, like, in, um... Krusty gets canceled. They're sitting around Bart's house playing. They're putting cars on the track. I'm sure that it's actually like, you know, when you get down to it, it's just whatever the writers wanted, you know, to do. But I guess, you know, I mean, I, I can think back to like elementary school and there were definitely kids that, you know, I didn't like sometimes I didn't get along with and then other times I did. So maybe it's like that, you know, where it's like sometimes Nelson's a jerk and a bully, but other times Nelson doesn't really have friends and he wants someone to spend time with, you know. And let's face it, when the tough guy at school is like, hey, let's hang out. You're not usually like, uh, no. You're usually like, yeah, sure, man. Yeah, we can hang out sometime. That's why I got stuck doing a podcast with you. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so Marge tells Bart that, you know, such a thing as being a bad winner. But Bart says that he'll probably never win anything ever again, so he might as well take advantage of it. And so while Bart, or so while Homer also taunts Nelson with Bart, I. Uh, Wind Beneath My Wings starts playing as Bart and Homer hug. And at the National Fatherhood Institute, they start celebrating from the control room, somehow watching the scene unfold. And That's uh, a fucking weird ending. <laughs> Dave and Dave Jr. hug as well. And look at the credits roll. <laughs> it's a weird so ending. stupid. I love it. I wish the shark was hugging somebody at the end. Though. Oh, man, that would have been great. I love that shark. I uh, So... I have uh, uh, what's going to – it might seem a little crazy at first, but I think if we break it apart, it might be the case. My lasting impact for this episode, Sean, is that this is the first Homer and Bart episode that focuses on their relationship as father and son. There are scenes in other episodes 
where they have their moments. But I think this is the first full-on episode that we have where that is the case. Yeah, you are not wrong. I mean, because, you know, you have, like, scenes like in, in Bart, you know, uh, what is it? I, I, Bart goes to, the, the one where Bart goes to the smart kid school. I, Bart the genius. Bart the genius, thank you. You know, there's episodes like that where, where he connects a little bit with Homer, but it's not the point of the episode. Or him playing video games with Homer, and it's not the point of the episode. Exactly, yeah. I think this is the very first episode, which is crazy to think about that it took three seasons to get to this point. Homer's more fun when he's shown neglectful, so I kind of see why they did that. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. That's where a lot of gags come from in The Simpsons, you know. It is Homer is not... He's not, like, abusive. He's just neglectful. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't... He's he, just bad at what he does. Yeah, he doesn't really show them attention, his kids. You know, he, he doesn't do a great job of, like, getting along with them. He just sort of lets them do their own thing and wants them to be happy... So long as it doesn't really put him out. So he's selfish, but he's not like, he doesn't, well, okay, yeah, he does physically abuse his children. He chokes Bart a lot, so never mind. I, mean, I guess that's not where I'm going with that. Uh, is this the last time that Nelson is the main villain? Oh, um, it might be. Nelson is, I mean, he's not, like, been a full-on he's villain. He's a bully later on, but... Yeah, like, he's, he's not a full... He, he hasn't been a full-on villain since Bart the General. And so I think in this episode, it's kind of him back to his roots as, like, a the villain. And so, yeah, I, I guess... Uh, I, I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where, where, you know, Nelson is, like, the villain of the episode, the bad guy, the antagonist. I think you might be right. He dates Lisa... Kind of an antagonist in that one because he's a jerk and stupid, and I don't like that episode. But uh, I, Sean, what uh, what would you say is your lasting impact for? Oh, for it makes me stop hating him. It, if this is this the episode is, where you stop hating. I Martin stop Prince. hating Martin after this, and Martin becomes really funny to me. I really like some of Martin's things, like when he's Queen of Summertime or uh, King King of Summertime, or when he's you know got his birthday party and he's got a math magician. <laughs> And he hands Nelson the envelope, and Nelson goes, huh. Here you are, Nelson. Huh. Here you are, Nelson. I said, huh. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I can definitely see uh, uh, this as being sort of the turning point for uh, Martin Prince. You know, this is kind of the turnaround for him, which is kind of exciting. Uh, but, uh, Sean. Let's go ahead and uh, end out our episode. Uh, you and I both obviously have yeah, to have, have the same we quote. We have the same quote. So let's go ahead and recite it at the same time here. Martin. Martin. Martin I'll curse that name till the day I die. die.